Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and I serve as the host and uh, connections pastor here at Journey. Uh, Sunday was message one in a new series called Jesus and Spiritual Foundations. And we're in Matthew chapter seven, and the message uh, is called Specks and Planks. Uh, welcome to many of you listening uh, from around the world. We're glad you've tuned in. You can always catch this week's message on either the uh, the app or on our website so you can catch up with uh, what we're going to be talking about today. You can tune in and check out the message. And we hope, uh, as always, to bring you some really practical tools. In this case, Pastor Christian will get a chance to dive a little bit deeper into the message than what uh, he uh, he can um, was able to do in the message. So we're glad to give you a little extra content, hopefully some ways that are going to going to activate your faith. Pastor Christian, uh, this Sunday was message twenty six. Uh, as we look at having, uh, as we're looking deeply at the Sermon on the Mount, and this series is called Jesus in Spiritual Foundation. So since we're kicking off a new series, can you help our listeners know really the goal of this series? So the goal of this series, Matthew chapter five. So we, we had all of our people say five, six, seven. Matthew five is what Jesus wants us to become. Matthew six is how we behave in order to get there. The things we do to develop inner strength. And then Matthew chapter seven are the, are, are the core beliefs that you have to have to even care about Matthew chapter five and Matthew chapter six. So Matthew chapter five is, you know, all about becoming like Jesus. Okay. Cool. Matthew 6 are some behaviors that you can take to become like Jesus. Okay, cool. Matthew chapter 7 helps you understand why that's your only option. Like if you if you want to connect to the God of the universe, that's your only your only option is to become like Jesus. So Jesus will finish Matthew 7 with a little analogy of a house built on the rock and a house built on the sand. And he will say this teaching like the foundational beliefs that you have of needing to become like me and de- and desiring to behave in a way that will make you have inner strength like me. These are the foundational things in your life when you're going through a rough patch. Life life lived during daytime hours in good weather, awesome. But Jesus says darkness is real and it's coming and storms are real and they're coming and when the wind blows and when the rains fall And when the water starts to rise, when you go through that hard time you're going to go through in life, which ultimately the hardest, darkest time any of us will go through in life is our death. Just said, when you go, when you go through that time, you better have anchored your soul in something that will connect you to an eternal God. And Matthew seven are are the key foundations of that, starting with, can, can we do it on our own? Like, do, do we need, do we, do we need anyone to help us? And what we, what we learned tonight as we kind of took our first steps to build the first foundation that my sin will be judged and my sin caused Jesus to die on the cross. My, my plank, the plank that was in my eye was the one that built the cross. Those are the, those are the first steps that help us see our need for Jesus. We've been told to become like him. We've been told what behaviors will help us do that. Now we're being told why it's the only option if we want to be connected to God through this lifetime and into our eternal lifetime. I got a chance to do a, a wedding this weekend, and like you, I talk about 
Christ being the foundation. And it was uh, great to, to not only share that with them, but then for this husband and wife to share how Christ is the foundation of their home as they shared some vows together. Um, and and we, we want you to know that, and that's why we're, we're – Doing this series on Jesus and spiritual foundations because we know it is the the be- it's got to be the bedrock of your life. In your message, Pastor Christian, you talk about righteousness uh, and about two options of determining our standard of righteousness. The two options were option one, I'm the standard, right? The wrong answer, I'm the standard. Or option two, Jesus is the standard of righteousness. You make a really powerful point to follow up with that, and you say this: at some point, many Christians stop seeing their sin yeah. as serious. Yeah. Which is a real problem. Why, why, why is that mindset so dangerous? So I love studying Old Testament scripture to give me a picture of not just Jesus, but New Testament Christianity. And when you study the tabernacle, so the book of Hebrews, which is, as I look at how I'm leading our church, we're in the book of Matthew, probably for a few more years. I'm really considering going to the book of Genesis next. I just believe that the the foundational um, the foundational nature of a biblical worldview and how you view everything in creation and even understanding why things are happening the way they are in the Middle East right now and and then all the personal lessons for your personal faith as you study the lives of uh, you know from Abraham Isaac and Jacob to Joseph you know on on down um, if you you know go go backwards from Noah Enoch I mean there's so many people you can study about in Genesis. And then probably Hebrews. I think Hebrews is a book every Christian should really understand because Hebrews unlocks the old, it's the key that unlocks how the Old Testament shows us Jesus. And as you understand the pattern of the tabernacle and the temple and worship, as you understand how people approached God through the lens of the Old Testament tabernacle. So if I'm a priest going to work on behalf of the people and, and I'm going to approach God. So, as I, as I walk in, you know, they kind of had a Mr. Rogers thing where they'd have to change their jacket and their shoes. So like if you've ever watched Mr. Rogers, you know, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood and he changes his jacket and he changes his, puts on his house shoes and then he starts doing his thing. So little Mr. Rogers element to tabernacle temple ministry. Priest comes in, they put on their priestly garments and before they can go do, before they check in for ministry, they have to go to a bronze basin and they have to, and they have to, and they have to wash themselves. Um, very particularly their hands and their feet. These bronze basins were made out of mirrors. So before you go do ministry, the person you're staring at is you. So God wanted, God wanted the priest to know as you approach me, think about you. As you approach me, think about you. There are so many people who as they approach God, they're thinking about somebody else who needs to approach God. And God says, no, no, no. As you approach me, I want you thinking about you. So you would wash, right? You'd, you'd see yourself and then you would immediately go, to offer a sacrifice. So you would go and offer a sacrifice of a lamb or a bull or a goat or a bird or whatever. And then after you would offer the sacrifice, you would go into the holy place where you would light the, light the menorah, replace the bread on the table of showbread where you'd offer prayers at the, at the altar of incense. But before you were allowed to go in there, you had to wipe off the blood from the sacrifice. So you would, you would start before you would approach God, you'd think about you. And then you go make a sacrifice. And then as you went back to the basin a second time, you were not just looking at yourself. You were looking at yourself covered in the blood of a sacrifice. So God says, when you approach me, when you think about what it takes to be right with me, one, you've got like, you got to know yourself. And before you can even come to me, you have to acknowledge the, like you have to know and be aware of the blood of the sacrifice 
that allows you to be near me. And Ryan, I'm not sure how or why we've ended up in a in a Christian world in 2021 in our country where we are so aware of and focused on and turned off by and detest and disgusted by the sins of others, which I mean, which, which we should be. We learned in Matthew five, blessed are those who mourn, like we should mourn over the sin of the world, but we've grown so focused on the sin of others. Like as we approach God and we look in the mirror, we're seeing uncle Tom and aunt Susie and you know, cousin Teddy. And like, who, like who, like we're thinking about all these people who need to come to God instead of realizing it wasn't my heart that needs to come to God. And we rarely stop and think about the sacrifice. We don't see the blood on our hands. We don't, we don't, we don't take the plank out of our eye long enough to crucify Jesus on him. We don't allow his blood to cover our story and to cover our soul so that we have just this unbelievable humility as, as we approach God, the way he's asked us to approach him, the way he's allowed us to approach him. And even more than that, in a way that will soften our heart to all the family members that we're dealing with who really need him too. It's almost a, as we detest the sin but we really want the person living in the sin to know Jesus. We realize, wow, he had to, he had to die to even give me the opportunity to talk to them. So I, I can humble myself a little bit to go to them. Um, and I, I just think when you look at that Old Testament way of how people were taught to approach God and now what so much of the Christian world has become us against them politically, you know, I, I think politics charges it a lot. I think social media charges it a lot. I think self-righteousness charges it a lot because in order to measure righteousness, like the Pharisees, it's like, like we're, we're better than them. We're different than them. And instead of teaching, Hey, stand out so people can see Jesus. We just, we, we look at the stand out part and then we put down anyone who doesn't stand out like us. So it's, it's nothing new to the American church. I mean, Jesus in Luke 18 taught some people praying, looking around, thinking, man, thank God I'm not like them. Nothing new. Yeah. But there are some people saying, you know, forgive me that I'm not like you. So some people are saying, thank God I'm not like them. Some people are saying, forgive me that I'm not like you. Jesus said, I want the heart that says, forgive me that I'm not like you. Always start with your stuff first. Because that's the only, only when you are living in the shadow of the cross will your heart be right to approach anyone anyway. So start with you. Yeah. Great truth, and and uh, if you get a chance to reverse uh, or rewind that and listen to that again, because that uh, that's a powerful part of of what we each need to do in our daily uh, look in the mirror, so to speak. Uh, so we're going to jump outside of the message now. You talked about three questions that we were going to talk about on the podcast: judgment, dogs, and pigs. Yep. Yes, let's, yeah, let's roll them up. And for our new podcast listeners, welcome. And a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Who who told me I've never listened to the podcast, but but I'm going to have to yeah. now because I want to learn about judgment dogs and pigs. So, yeah, we're yeah, glad let's, let's we're glad you're it. on, yep. and, and uh, we hope you'll share this with some others. So we looked at the the first set of verses in Matthew uh, chapter seven one through six. Do these verses we studied mean that Christians aren't supposed to judge people or make any spiritual judgments or even care about spiritual or eternal judgment in the lives of others? No. I mean, and I can't say it any, Next question. any, oh. yeah, any, any more clearly. <laughs> no, it doesn't mean that. Jesus was saying you cannot judge people or measure people by a standard that only God can use. So remember, the Pharisees were saying you're not good, you're not like me, so you're not good enough. Jesus is saying that is exactly how God judges. You're not like Him, so you're not good enough. So 
he is saying don't use his judgment of other people. But in lots of different places in Scripture, Jesus says that you'll know people by their fruit. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians to examine yourself, to see whether you're in the faith, to test yourself, to see whether or not you're in the faith. Galatians 5 that we talked about a little bit gives us a list of the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit so you can know, am I living in sin or am I am I being led by the Spirit? There's lots of places where Scripture tells us to beware of false prophets, to know what the truth is and to make judgments on what people are teaching. So there's all kinds of places where Jesus is saying, you you have to evaluate, you have to judge, you have to make decisions. However, you are not the ultimate judge, and your life is not the ultimate standard. So, so judge others the way I've judged you, which is in the shadow of the cross. Because when you judge people by the cross, Ryan, there's no one who lives outside of the grace of God if they desire it. If we judge people by our life and our standard, one, it makes us feel more spiritual than we are, because the example is Jesus, not us. So if we say, well, I'm not like Jesus, but at least I'm not Judas, no. Jude, like Judas is is not the standard. Jesus is the standard. So G- Jesus is not telling us not to judge. Uh, later in Scripture, he will tell us to make judgments and to examine. He's just telling us that the final judgment is not ours, and to help other people understand judgment through the lens of the cross. But the Apostle Paul, when he talks about eternal judgment, when he talks about hell, he says, knowing the fear of God and knowing the wrath of God, knowing that that's real and believing that's real, that's one of the reasons we tell people about God. He said, one of the things that compels me to tell people about God is knowing that they're going to live in judgment. Romans 1 says, the wrath of God is being stored up against men for all of their acts of unrighteousness. So we need to know judgment is real. Judgment is coming. Judgment can be avoided. And and then we need to, one, take the plank out of our own eye and let our judgment be placed on Jesus. And then living from the cross, go help others, see clearly enough to help other people do that as well. We're not the ultimate judge. We don't get to decide heaven and hell for people, but we are supposed to have enough spiritual wisdom to make judgments to know how to do ministry so that we can lead people to Jesus and his cross, not to condemn them, but so that some might be saved. Yeah. Amen. A great truth. Uh, another verse that's a head scratcher, uh, verse six. Uh, what did you mean when, uh, what did Jesus mean when he said, don't give to dogs what is sacred? Is there an impactful lesson there for us to learn or for us to teach to those we're leading spiritually? Yeah. So, so the context of this 2000 years ago in Jerusalem, where there's still a daily sacrificial system in place for the people of Israel, every morning and every evening, they are sacrificing a meal on the altar. And the priests are eating that meal. And one of the offerings that the people of Israel could partake of was called the fellowship offering, where you would literally bring your tithes and your offerings or a special offering. You would bring them to the priest and literally, instead of leaving it there, they would give a portion of the meat, of the grain, of the bread, of the fruit, of the wine. They they would literally pour a portion of that out. That was God's portion. But then you and the priest would eat the rest of the portion, and it was a picture of the Lord's Supper. It was a picture of the fellowship offering is, I want to have a meal with God. So you would you would take this meal, they would prepare it on the sacrificial altar. The things that got burned up were God's. 
And then you and your family and your friends, if you wanted to, and the priest would eat the leftover parts. But it was a sanctified, very holy, um, sacred meal. And in Israel 2,000 years ago and in Israel today, um, they don't keep dogs as pets like we do. Very specifically, 2,000 years ago, dogs were, were rabid animals that were just roaming the streets of Jerusalem. So the word picture that Jesus is giving is... Um, it, it would, it would literally, so I'll put it into real practical terms and then I'll, and then I'll back into what Jesus is saying. It would be like on Easter Sunday, or it would be like on Christmas Eve service, um, doing your communion time. So we had, we had a lot of people at our church do at home Christmas this year because of the COVID pandemic. It would be like, um, as you're taking communion, like taking the juice and then giving the wafer to your dog. Like it literally would be showing that you had no value and no appreciation for what Jesus did with his body on the cross. For someone 2,000 years ago to take part of a sacred meal, a fellowship offering that had been offered on like the altar at the Jerusalem Temple Mount, which you and I have both been to. And then as you're eating that, to have a scavenger dog come up and to give him a piece of that, him or her a piece of that holy meat would be to show that you didn't take the things of God seriously. And I think if we could go even a step further, Jesus is saying this spiritual foundation that you are a sinner and that you are broken and that you need help. One, you know it's true. Everyone knows it's true. But you can't just trust it to anyone. You have to trust it to Jesus. He's the only one who will treat that reality the way that it needs to be treated who will take care of that vulnerability the way that it needs to be taken care of and i think jesus is saying take this truth of how much you need me how broken you are that you get a plank in your eye like take this truth that you need spiritual help but be careful who you who you trust with that because if you expect your husband or wife to be to you what only Jesus can be, you're going to have a really hard marriage. And if you expect your mom and dad to be to you what only Jesus can be, you're going to have, you're going to have a tough relationship with your parents. Or if you expect your boss or your country, for that matter, to provide for you the security and the safety that, and the direction and mission that only Jesus can provide. like Be careful who you share your soul with. Because there's a right person to share your soul with who will take it to the next level. And there's a long list of the wrong people to share your soul with who who will take it to another level of pain and hurt. So when I think about what Jesus was saying, I put it into the word context of communion, sacred meat, fellowship offering, just kind of casting aside some, something that was sacrificed so that you could be close to God to like, you know, give it to some stray dog. Jesus is saying, don't treat your soul in that manner. Entrust it to the only one who will take care of it. Yeah. Uh, pigs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so also in that verse, it says, do not throw your, your pearls to pigs. So it's kind of the same question. What, what do you mean by that? Another, is there another impactful lesson from that? Yeah. So pearls would have been one of the most valuable things, um, in the, in the ancient world that there were. Jesus actually told a parable, uh, about a really valuable pearl. A man, you know, found a really valuable pearl in a field and he covered it back up and went and bought the entire field just so that he could have the pearl. And he said, that's how the kingdom of God is like you give your entire life just so you can have Jesus in the kingdom of God. So about 170 years before Jesus was born, 
Alexander the Great uh, and the Macedonian, the Greek Empire, had kind of ruled the ancient world, the Middle Eastern world. And when he died an early death, his kingdom was divided into four parts. One of those was the Seleucid kingdom, which ruled kind of from modern day Syria down kind of into Egypt. So if you can picture Greece that expanded from literally Rome on a map all the way through India, one of the sections of the Middle East was this kind of Syrian, Palestinian, Egyptian corridor. And the Jewish people were, were, they were always revolting because they, they would not culturally become Hellenist. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't become Greek in their culture. They wouldn't go to the plays and they wouldn't worship the Greek gods. They, they remain true to, to like their, their one true God. And the Seleucid Empire, they had a ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes, who in around 170, sometime between 168 and 163, came into Palestine. He was sick of the Jews not conforming to Greek worship. So he literally went into their temple, into the holiest of holy places. Part of part of being a good Jew 2,000 years ago was practicing the dietary laws of the kosher diet, which pork was not allowed to be eaten. And he literally, you know, the, the Israelites would sacrifice sheep and goats, um, lambs, uh, cows, birds. Yeah. He took a pig and he sacrificed it on the altar in Jerusalem, like they, their altar, he took a pig, he sacrificed it on the altar and he made all of the priests eat it. Um, which when you, when you think about how he both desecrated, desecrated the place and then tried to spiritually desecrate the people, this memory would have been fresh in the mind of the people of Israel. I w- I would say Ryan, that it's fresh today because the rev- the Maccabean revolt that resulted as a part of that, one of the priestly family said, "Heck no, you can kill us all, but we're not doing this." And they revolted, and they went, they like defeated this really powerful section of the Greek Empire, and they took back their temple and they cleansed it. And when they went to light the menorah, they literally only had enough pure pressed uh, oil to light the menorah one night. But they lit it and said, we'll just trust God. And it stayed lit for 10 nights, which became the Feast of Hanukkah, which Jesus celebrated at the, as the festival of dedication. So Jesus like would have actually celebrated what we know as, as Hanukkah. Um, because in Israel, this, this became a thing. What, what had happened with the pig and the priest and the desecration of the place and the desecration of the person, like in Israel lore kind of led to like no more. So when Jesus talks about throwing pearls to pigs, it would have been very, very contextually on the front of people's minds that for you to take the most valuable part of your life, your soul, and to give it to someone who has no regard or respect for God and the things of God is, is just, it's going to, it's going to result in desecration, desecration in your life. So very much like don't throw to dogs what is sacred. It's like, listen, don't treat the message and the man of Jesus with disregard. And at the exact same time, don't take the things that Jesus has given you to worship. Don't take the truths that Jesus has given you to know and, and desecrate those in a way that would dishonor the person of Jesus or the place of his church or his mission. So when you, when you think about the context of both of those things 2000 years ago, those are vivid, vivid illustrations of people to make sure you don't entrust your soul 
or the practices of your worship to to people or places who would want to who would want to trample on your faith or not treated as special or disregarded disregarded altogether. Man, some great information. Uh, I'm guessing you're going to need to listen to this twice or three times to those yeah. of you who are listening, just because. Yeah. Uh, let me say this: there was no notes, folks. He just did all that from his head, and that's uh, making me sick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which, which, by the way, though. So, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, th- I mean, I I've been learning and studying for a yeah, long yeah, time. So no, thank you. Uh, but yes. that is so. That last verse: don't give to say, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls before swine demands you make judgments of who and what you are trusting your soul and the message of the cross to, oh. which to go back to your first question, does this mean we don't make judgments at all? No. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, don't judge or you'll be judged by the measure you judge. You'll be judged. So he's teaching like, don't steal God's standard. God's a standard, not you. But then before he even finishes that thought, he said, by the way, you're going to have to evaluate. We'll have to make some judgments who people are, how people live. So it can't have men. Don't judge at all because he told us in a few verses later, you got to know who the dogs are. You got to know who the swine are. You got to make sure you don't desecrate the things that are most special. You got to protect your soul. Yeah. No, great extra information. I'm glad we, we asked those outside of what you did the sermon. L- last question from the sermon and we'll wrap up. In, in question two of your message, you ask specks or planks as a, a reference to verses three through five. And you, you give the Jesus and spiritual foundation number one, which is, my sin must be judged, and my sin caused Jesus to die on the cross. And this leads to an application part of your message where seeing this foundation clearly sets the foundation from which we can do ministry to others. Can you can you speak to the importance of these areas that you mentioned? You talked about them in the message. Yeah, so Ryan, when you Jesus said only after you've lived through the experience of having the plank removed which the only way our sin is removed and cast away is through crucifixion. Only when you live from the cross will you live with the heart of Jesus. Somehow, listen, I, I, I am, I, you know, I'm not enough of a historian to know when this happened. I'm not enough of a theologian or a Christian or a practitioner to know why that it happens. But there are so many Christians today who are really offended on Jesus' behalf. Like, I think that's why they're so disgusted with the world. They're offended on Jesus' behalf. But they can't possibly be offended on behalf of the guy hanging on the cross. Because he ain't offended. Like, maybe they're offended of the resurrected Jesus in his nice white robe. Maybe they're offended for the the desperate Jesus praying in Gethsemane and sweating like drops of blood. Maybe they're offended for the sermon on the Mount Jesus that they see. Maybe they watch the chosen and they've, they just can't believe anyone which would treat the, the picture they now have in their head of, as Jesus. They just can't believe anyone would treat him the way that people are treating Jesus and his followers in the church. But you cannot get to that state of offense if you're standing at the foot of the cross. Because that guy, the one behind you on the cross, all he's saying is, Father, forgive them. His heart is love. His arms are open. His prayer is for forgiveness. His mission is being fulfilled. So when we live from the cross, we have to live with extreme gratitude 
but we must have the grace of the man hanging behind us. And I think we have worked so hard, and I love the ministry of sanctification where you become more like Jesus and you begin to be more holy, you begin to be more righteous, you you stop committing so many sins of commission and you begin to overcome so many sins of omission and every now and then your spirit feels whole, not broken, even though it's tainted by original sin. I love all that ministry. I, I think every Christian in their discipleship journey should be pursuing that. But when we believe that's the only thing Jesus loves or will accept, we forget the man on the cross. So I think it's real important to live from the cross. That is made up of our planks. My fault, not yours. My, My fault, not yours. But while he's dying for me, he's declaring his love for you. So I got gratitude, but you get grace. And all of a sudden now I see clearly. I see with the eyes of the crucified Jesus, not just the holy, righteous, pure, perfect, which he is all those things. But I see with the eyes of the crucified Jesus. And I realize God's standard, the measure God uses is, you're not as good as me, so you're not good enough. But Jesus was, and he died for you, and you can be forgiven, and and you can join my spiritual family. I think when we live from the cross, with the correct perspective on the cross, from our sin, it, it just sets us up to see like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to impact like Jesus. And frankly, I, I think that's what the that's what the world needs more of. The world knows that it's broken. I mean, we talked about it, right? Like, the world knows that it's selfish and hopelessly broken without someone to step in and help it. Whether it's saving the turtles, whether it's saving the environment, everyone knows the world is broken. Everyone knows we need instruction. Everyone knows that we're selfish and we got to pull all in the same direction together. But only Jesus was willing to get on a cross to allow us to stop moving one direction and start heading in another. So we got to live from the cross. Yeah. Great, great way to pull that back together. And, and the reason we have this podcast for you listening is we want to encourage you. We want to help you if you're listening and we can help you in your walk. If we can encourage you and try to help you grow, uh, that's why our church exists. So come and see us on Sunday. Uh, come to a Saturday night service over the summer. Uh, we want to walk with you. We want to encourage you in your walk. So thank you for listening from wherever you're at. Again, if you're a new listener, welcome. We hope you'll come back for, for more biblical insights, not only tied to the message, but oftentimes outside of you. You heard some of the great uh, truth and wisdom and history that Pastor Christian shared today, and we want to continue to activate your faith. If you're here in town, come see us uh, in person. Uh, we'd love to hear from you of how God's working in your life, or if you've got a question, maybe we can answer on on the air. Uh, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Uh, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.